Hello everyone, Yali Divine Ministry coming to you with the most anticipated podcast that you will ever listen to. There's a five series or there'll be five podcasts on this study. It is the rapture, the heart attack against the church. And today I'm going to give you part one. Again, it is the rapture, the heart attack against the church. And I'm going to start by saying that the church has been suffering from a spiritual heart attack for nearly 200 years. We are told by Solomon that we should guard our heart for out of it flow the issues of life. The heart hears, the heart believes, and the heart is imprinted with pictures that reinforce our beliefs. But what happens when the very things we have heard, believed, and were reinforced by images were all wrong to begin with? This is the trouble with the rapture doctrine which is not found anywhere in the Bible. Fury preaching to get ready in movies like A Thief in the Night. Or Left Behind series riveted our hearts with images of unmanned airplanes falling out of the sky, exploding into buildings, cars and buses crashing, and little babies missing from their cribs. Inevitably, it ends with a guy living under the time of tribulation, threatened with beheading if he doesn't take the mark of the beast. There's nothing faith-filled that our hearts embrace with those scenes. In fact, to even consider another viewpoint brings those fears to the surface and often shuts down an openness to hear what the Bible actually teaches. False doctrine is not discerned by fear, but by truth. So we tackle the rapture in Thessalonians. It might be a good idea to remember the words of Luke in Acts 17 verse 11 where it says, These were more faith, fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word without readiness and searched the scriptures daily out whether these things were so, which many of you just sit in the pew and listen to a man that's called a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, a prophet, or an apostle. But you never go into the Word and let the Spirit guide you into into what? Into whether these things were so. So a case could be made here with reference to history that the idea of the rapture before a tribulation is a very recent idea in the history of the church. It is only about 100 years old and some say originated first with a young girl in Glasgow who had a vision of it. It was then picked up by a man named John Derby among the Plymouth Brethren who helped spread the idea throughout America. It was never accepted or it was never an accepted doctrine of the church until then, nor is it found in scripture and we're going to start off with 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 15 for this we say to you by the word of the Lord 
that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Does anybody really know what time it is? Audience and time relevance. Verse 16 of that First Thessalonians says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the, with the, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. One of the most overlooked concepts of interpreting scripture is the idea of audience relevance. In hermeneutics, the science and the art of interpreting the Bible, audience relevance reminds us that the Bible wasn't written to us. It was written for us. If we, if we get this confused, we read the Bible through the wrong lens and end up applying verses to ourselves that were meant for someone else in another time and another place. It's like the old story of the person who would try to get a word from God by opening the Bible and taking whatever his eyes fell upon a message from God. So the first time he opens it, it comes to Matthew 25 or 27 verse 5. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Fearful that God was telling him this, he opened the Bible randomly again and it said in Luke 10 verse 37. Go thou and do likewise. Uh, not a good method. So let's look at a more accurate way of interpreting the Bible. To whom was the Thessalonians written and what was their situation? Acts 17, 1 and 5 says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. But the Jews were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. The Christians in Thessalonica were suffering at the hands of the Jews. This is again clearly, excuse me, clearly demonstrated in 1 Thessalonians 2. Verse 14 and 16 says, For you, brethren, become imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea, in Christ Jesus. For you also suffer the same things from your own, which is your Jewish countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath is about to come upon them to the uttermost. Now notice what Paul had to say to them. Not us. To the Thessalonians. Or 2 Thessalonians verse 1 says. So 1 verse 4. So that we ourselves boast of you Thessalonians. Among the churches of God for your patience and faith. In all your persecutions and tribulations. That you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, 
for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to you who are troubled rest with us when, this is a time-related word, the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in the flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These people who trouble you shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified by the saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. The importance of understanding this is vital because of what's at stake. The reliability of scripture, the promises of God, and whether Jesus is a true prophet or a false one. Deuteronomy 18, 18 says that if a man made a prediction that didn't come true, that man did not come from God. It is the, the Thessalonian believers in Paul's day who are suffering tribulation at the hands of the Jewish unbelievers. Those Jews, according to Paul, will be repaid tribulation at a certain point in the near future. Paul uses this promise to encourage them. Of what encouragement would it be if God secretly meant it would come along after they were dead 2,000 years later? What that That is encouragement of the worst kind. Did God lie? Did Paul lie to them? Was he just trying to keep them and every generation on the toes spiritually? As some have reasoned, do you see what is at stake? Of course God didn't lie. He kept his word just as he said he would. How so? Well, in 70 AD, the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed by fire. Some 1.3 million Jews died. Historians say not one Christian died. In keeping the apocalyptic language of all biblical history, God used another nation, Rome to bring their own self-inflicted judgment on themselves, on the law, on the priesthood, and on the sacrificial system, and on all the blood that the Jewish people shed. Genesis 9, 6-7 reveals that those who shed blood, innocent blood will have their blood shed by man, but speaks of it in apocalyptic metaphor in other scriptures as if it is coming from him. In fact, this judgment will never be repeated. Matthew 24, verse 21, and Daniel 12, verse 1. And was one that encompassed bloodshed against righteousness, stretching back all the way to the first bloodshed of Abel. Matthew 23, verse 35. This was the final judgment on works-based religion. This was a final judgment on works-based religion, which many of you are under a pastor, a teacher, a prophet, an evangelist, or an apostle that has works-based religion. This coming judgment was promised by Jesus as prophet in Matthew 23 as he upbraided the scribes and Pharisees by pronouncing the covenant curse woes on them in the city. It says, Therefore indeed I send you apostate Jews, prophets, wise men, and scribes, some of them 
Some of them you will scorch in your synagogues and persecute from city to city that on you may come all the righteous bloodshed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. But surely I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Matthew 23, 34-36 How will this happen specifically? Matthew 24, 1-2 says, Then Jews went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? But surely I say to you, Not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. The earliest Christian historian Eusebius understood that the events that follow in Matthew 24 described the turmoil that was happening in Jerusalem between the cross and the destruction of the city. Interestingly enough, Jesus died in 30 AD and the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, exactly 40 years, within one generation, just like Jesus said. Paul says this will be a destruction away from the presence of the Lord. It was a glory cloud presence that made Israel different from the other nations and distinguished them as God's people. The real conflict in this 40-year transition period is the distinction as to who are the true covenant people. Was it the natural Jewish lineage that associated themselves with the law and temple religious system? Or were the true covenant people those Jews and Gentiles who were of faith in the Messiah? This is why Jesus referred to unbelieving Jews gathering of synagogues of Satan, which Satan, in my other studies, stands for accusers against the true brethren. He said to the churches in Asia Minor, Revelation 2, verse 9, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Revelation 3 verse 9 says, Indeed I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. This is also what Peter meant when he said in Acts 3 verse 22, For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed or cut off from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many I have spoken, have always foretold these days. This coming great tribulation would cut off those who were not believing Jews from the people. How? The everlasting destruction of temple and loss of the glory presence would once for all time demonstrate that the temple was to be a people, not a building. The everlasting destruction of the temple and loss of the glory presence would once for all time demonstrate that the temple was to be a people, not a building. All identity built on the city, a temple, 
an isolated presence in Jerusalem, or natural genealogy would be removed forever. With that in mind, let's not be guilty of projecting into our future a message regarding the Thessalonians and the persecuting Jews. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 15 For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will, be, will by no means proceed those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And the second part of this podcast, the rapture, the heart attack of the church. Okay, we will discover where Paul got his word of the Lord. But until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Godly Divine Ministry. And again, we bless you. And we thank the Lord that you have found this podcast. And now you will be set free. You will no longer live in fear of a coming tribulation or a fear of a rapture and you're thinking, am I going to be left behind? I'll tell you what, the left behind part, it already occurred in AD 70. Until then, part two. So this is to be continued. Have a blessed Saturday.